All right, uh, let's let's get on the on the thing. <coughs> Hello, everyone. Again, welcome to uh, after a hiatus. I won't say brief or long. A hiatus. Welcome back to Tig and Grok's useless hour for stupid idiots. Uh, this is Grok with me as always. Tig, Tig, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? You know, it's it's Thursday, but it feels like third to uh we're we're getting there. It's been a long one. Yeah, it's uh it's that time of year, you know, where it's you know, gray a lot and things just kinda drag on. It doesn't help with, you know, yeah. the the whole everything outside and the <laughs> whole it becoming increasingly clear that vaccines won't be available to the general public until like August. It's uh, the reality of being locked in my house for another six months months is setting in, and <laughs> it is sapping my will to do things. Yeah, I know it's like I'm I'm very introverted by nature, and like being at home mm-hmm. is kind of fine for me. But like mm-hmm. the loss of the option. <laughs> yep. Just like have, knowing that I can go out and do a lot of stuff is is nice. I don't do it. Yeah, let me uh let me tell people I want to stay inside and cancel on plans on my own. Don't do it exactly. for me anymore. I've had enough. Flaking gives me a position of power over other people. <laughs> it's it's all about control, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right. So for our loyal listeners, we have prepped literally nothing for this episode. There was an episode of I think our most recent episode we didn't prep anything for. This episode we actually prepped even less for. Uh, all we're going to do is answer your questions in this episode, and then if there's any time at the end, we'll make something up league-related so we can get our money. I think I think that's all we're going to do. Yeah, uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna find content and shove it in there, shove it through your ear holes. Yeah, it probably will not come to that. Hopefully, this episode will actually be an hour. We'll see. <laughs> we're, we're we're working our way down into a t- reasonable time frame for episode. <laughs> All right, so let's not get giving to away the there. bonus content for free. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a bonus episode. This is the reader mailbag. We'll call it that. Uh, our first question comes from Roast Puff. Uh, quite short. Can you talk about the new meta of high hitting, high strength, high stamina? So I, I find hmm. this curious. High hitting, high strength, high stamina, because that's not necessarily the meta that I see emerging from every team or from all of the top players. Uh, yeah, I have, I have thoughts on this. Yeah. So it is, uh, it, it's the meta because that's how largely Hamilton and Chicago are built. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is good for Hamilton in particular. I can't speak for Chicago. I don't know. They're, builds all that well outside the outside of being fairly similar to a lot of Hamilton stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just obviously from being involved in Hamilton for so long, uh, one of the reasons that I know that that works is because Hamilton is tactically a very physical and defensive team. So a lot of their strengths are geared towards, you know, winning puck battles, mm-hmm. uh, choking out people on defense, turning the puck, going up the ice. 
so uh, that's why essentially having you know high strength, high balance is very very good for them, and they're they're good stats for any team and in, in any system. But this is a case of you know actually coaching to your team's strengths. Yeah, uh, rather uh, rather than just kind of solving a meta. I I think a big part of it for me right now is like. I think we like to pretend that we've been on FHM for a really long time because it's been so long in, you know, real time. Uh, especially since the initial hiccups with going to FHM and the site changes that were necessary to make that to make that sim workable with the actual web page took a lot of effort. So it feels like it's been a really long time. It's only been five seasons of doing this and while we had that initial shift of a bunch of builds that also means that only a certain amount of tpe has been added has been distributed the update scale has been in a way where changing your build is not terribly cost efficient compared to to going from you know 800 to 1600 and putting those points in for the first time uh so all of that together makes makes me see it kind of through the lens of if you can find one thing and do it really, really well and get your team to buy into it, in the current environment, you will be very successful. And that's not necessarily because that is the meta or because that's the best option or because that will be the final meta game, but because while everyone else is figuring out the meta game, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're a one-dimensional team as long as you're really good at that thing because nobody else is going to have the tools to successfully counter your one strategy you're really good at. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the other thing to consider with those two teams in particular is that they are very high TPE relative mm-hmm. to other teams. So it's just naturally a lot of the they, they could pick a completely different set of tactics. And it would still probably go pretty well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, I, I'd, I'd caution against really saying anything about a meta. It's it, I mean, it's yeah. definitely a meta game, right? It's the meta game of the SHL right now. But the thing about that is the meta game a, a meta game just describes what the most successful strategy is right now. And as we start getting more people with higher TPE, as we potentially look at update scale changes uh, to allow redistribution to be more uh, viable and more impactful, and as players start building into, or as users start building different types of players, and those players start moving around the league, those could all result in the metagame shifting over multiple seasons. So while right now, these teams with high strength, high balance, high stamina, lots of physical stats, uh, and then having like the distribution of defensive and offensive stats that teams like Chicago and Hamilton have, while that's the most effective strategy now, it might not necessarily be even in two seasons because of how immature our understanding of the, uh, of the FHM6 sim is and of how immature our understanding of the SHL's player builders in uh, the, how the FHM's player builder influences the way we are able to interact with the systems in FHM6. 
Yeah, exactly. Like we're we're all still kind of feeling our way out through it. So yeah, it, it'll it'll come. All right. Uh, we got a question from we got a few questions from Blues fan fifty five. Blues, how's it going? He says rad. It starts with a question for me. How did it feel to go out with a four star? So I'll say going out with one. I mean, it was nice. Uh, I don't mean to diminish what Anchorage accomplished or being there for it, but I definitely got more out of the Vancouver win because it was the first one I ever got. Especially since after, you know, all the toil of getting STHS out of two cups and having all those Lorifers both playing and managing for uh, Detroit all those years ago uh, still kind of sits with me. Uh, going out with a four-star was nice. It, it was kind of something I anticipated, not necessarily going out with one, but going deep when Vancouver dealt my player uh, for picks. I figured I was going to a contender, probably. It was nice. That's what I'll say. I guess the I guess the other piece of it is coming in as a as a uh, as a rental. Like you get to meet the room, but you don't really know the room. You didn't come up with those people, so it it, it felt more like I was winning a cup for the other folks in Vancouver than I was winning one for myself. Especially since I already had the one, or I felt more like winning one for Anchorage than winning one for myself because I already had the one from Vancouver the season previous. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, it says Seattle's been making moves. Can you explain your thought process for them? We did make a lot of moves, and we can talk about those. Yeah, we we uh, we've been pretty active, as it turns yes. out. Um. So, what was the first one? Was Reed. Uh, thought process behind that one is uh, Reed is great. I mm-hmm. like him a lot. Um, everyone knows that uh, I drafted him in Detroit. We mm-hmm. won a four-star cup together. He's just pretty awesome in general. So um, knowing that he was going to be available was a big deal for us. Um, not just because you know it was a chance to acquire a player that was being made available, but it was a player that I thought we had a good chance of convincing to stay long term, just because mm-hmm. I have a great relationship with Reed. Uh, so it was kind of it was a scenario where it checked off a lot of boxes for us to actually go out and acquire a player, um, and we were able to work something out with uh, with Winnipeg, and uh, we're we're just so stoked to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very nice to have something like that kind of pop up. Um, it kind of pushes our core even just that little bit more towards um, kind of uh, sustaining some success now as well as in the future. He's going to be around a long time. Uh, He helps our roster today. It's just Mm -hmm. perfect across the board for us. Yeah, I I really saw two themes with kind of the moves that we were making, which number one is kind of like you were saying, accelerating our window a little bit without sacrificing the length of our window. Uh, it, it became pretty clear to us as we were kind of reading the, uh, the earning of our prospects and the age of our top players. And as we started looking at that curve, it became pretty clear that, you know, 
three to four seasons was where our window was going to start opening up. Uh, and it was going to stay open for probably two or three seasons before we had to start considering where pieces were going and what cap was going to happen. Uh, picking up a player like Reed, who's a little advanced from our core, but or from what we expected our window to be, but also has a really long tail because of how uh, extremely <laughs> high his earn rate is, that means that not only can we pull our window back and say, okay, well, now we might be able to start contending in a couple seasons, but it doesn't sacrifice the tail at the end and allows us to still have those like two to three seasons we thought we would be contending, plus maybe another one or two on the front side. Uh, and that, that idea of extending or of accelerating our window without sacrificing its duration will come up again. <laughs> With another trade we made, the other, <laughs> the other kind of thing that uh, was really valuable for us uh, in terms of, or another thing we really valued when we were looking at at trades and as we were talking around free agency was looking for people to start building uh, both the culture and the front office. So as as an expansion franchise, you don't really have a big swath of alumni to support your team you don't have a ton of outside options to grab for uh coaching or for management or for scouting so when we look at someone like reed we don't just look at somebody who oh yeah they're a great earner and they'll slot right into our second line although both true uh we also look at a person like that and say that's somebody we can add to our back room who will be valuable in terms of scouting who will be valuable in terms of having more feelers out to potential free agents or trades down the line as somebody who uh, could step up into a coaching role uh, relative, with relative ease. Like, that's the other thing that we're really looking at is people who can bolster that front office and give us a, a competitive edge that isn't just numbers in the sim. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I'd, as I said, I, I I know Reed really well. He's a sharp guy. He's involved everywhere on the site. He's 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 an HO. Uh, he he does a little bit of everything. So um, it's just it's fantastic ad all the way around. And uh, as was Gabe, who which was the next trade. Um, yeah. A, a bigger trade in terms of asset cost, and I'm sure a lot of people probably uh, raised some eyebrows at the idea of a team that just finished fifth last. <laughs> going out and spending even more first round picks. Um, uh, however, there, like, as uh, as you said, Grok, there were a few things that allowed us to even consider it as a possibility. Mm -hmm. First being, Gabe is great. Gabe is Gabe is an incredible addition to our locker room. Um, and 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 again, with same as Reed, he's an addition to our back room as well. Um, right. He's he's a former co GM in the league. He's the current uh, GM of. Anchorage, so we have you know now a guy in our in our war room who's got a really good feel on the pulse of the J for scouting purposes. Uh, he knows how the league works. Um, he's a good fit with um, other people on our team that he knows already, mm -hmm. and he's I consider him a very good friend personally. So mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where you you have a chance to kind of you see these guys becoming available and you have the opportunity to make a deal work, you're looking at a team where we started off with a lot of inactive players just out of necessity, because mm -hmm. that's where we had to start from with the expansion draft. 
Um, it's just how, how it goes. And we want to build more and more activity in the locker room. So what we're able to do with these two moves is add two really active voices to our locker room. And it, the, the room has been picking up in activity as we go. Yes. But since those two acquisitions, it's just taken off. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've been so happy with the locker room recently. It's uh, it's it's been a slow process because I've I've been in the J for so long as a GM, and I've seen the cycle go up and down. You know, you you have some lean seasons, some people go inactive. Mm-hmm. The locker room's not as 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 bumping as you'd like, and then you know you have a really big draft class and you get all of that new energy in, and it's just everyone's so excited mm-hmm. whereas in the, in the shl it's way more drawn out you have people for longer um and it's it's so it's it's one of those things where building that same level of activity was always going to take a little bit longer than i think i was used to and it kind of wore on me a bit uh just you know having a team that's half inactive mm-hmm is a tough situation to be in, but um, part of the reason it was like that is because I wasn't willing to make moves that compromised the long-term future of the team. I wasn't willing to right. trade futures for you know players that were only going to be around for a season or two just to get a little bit of shelter or help right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, yeah, we, we didn't have great years on the ice. But what we've done is we've actually parlayed a lot of our draft picks into really good prospects uh, from right. not always even incredible draft slots. Like in, in the first draft, obviously, we traded from fifth overall, mm-hmm. um, picked up 15 and 18 with that trade. And we got, obviously, yourself and we got um, ZT uh, Evans, right. two phenomenal picks right at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, instead of just picking one really good player at fifth overall, right. um, and then we also hit on two two more picks that that same draft. So we we essentially walked out of that draft with four forwards who are earning really really well, mm-hmm. um, and that w- once you get four players in a draft, that opens up a lot of avenues for what you can do with your future picks because, um, as we've seen with uh, other teams around the league. There's cap space concern for having too many prospects. There is straight up roster space limitations, <laughs> um, right. uh, which we have seen around the league and we will continue to see. Um, just where, where do you play everybody, especially with only three forward lines? Mm-hmm. It, space gets tight really quick. So that's where you look at it. You say, is it if, if we have a chance to spend picks? That are just going to add to a long jam. Sorry, add to a log jam. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, trading them and get something that helps now, helps over several seasons. Um, it, it's kind of one of those things where you do, you do the math in your head and you start realizing, hey, like even though we are quote unquote building, we're not really rebuilding because we haven't been along, mm-hmm. um, we haven't been around long enough to rebuild. Right. But um, we're, we're building through the draft primarily but you know you wouldn't think this is a situation where teams would be really eager to give up a bunch of firsts for a player that just started regression right gabe is a top earner he's going to be around for a while um he's perfect addition for the locker room um and it gives us he, he also has one of the most valuable contracts in the league 
Right. Uh, so we have, we have two defensemen that are up around two two thousand uh, TPE. Both signed to four million dollar contracts because we eventually <laughs> did get uh, hometown discounts for expansion teams, which was <laughs> fantastic. On. We it was a, a two season uh, battle for that one, but we we did it. Um, so we were able to sign uh, Darrow to a four million dollar contract. So we have uh, mm-hmm. two of the top defenders in the league signed to a combined eight million, which is insanely valuable, right? Um, as well as well as two other strong defensemen into the teens in terms of TPE um, mm-hmm. on the second pair. So like we've got a, we've got a good defense, um, and with Reed coming in. Um, you know, it helps us up front. We're we're also going to have um, Jeffy moving from defense to forward. Uh, he's going to be a winger for us this season, which gives us another good forward. And um, it, it's that's where you start looking at things and going like, okay, the, like pieces are falling into place, mm-hmm. and they're not just short term pieces either. So, right. yeah, as I said, the, the math starts to work in your head as to why you can justify giving up assets, uh, future assets for things, for, for players that are going to help now. Um, and part of that is just because they do have some staying power. Part of that is just because, you know, that future asset is going to add to a log jam. Mm-hmm. And we, we've added so many second round picks over, over the last <laughs> few seasons <laughs> that we're still able to make picks in the early second round, come away with a player. So we're, it's not like we're coming away from with, uh, coming away with no players from a draft, right? Right. Uh, we, uh, yeah. You can, even, so. you can even look at the S58 draft where we came away with a uh, with Irk and with uh, and Bandy. with Bandy, right? With two yeah. really solid prospects out of the second round. Uh, and when you have like a really really strong crop of players in that in that area. Who are all coming up around? Like we've got this really strong crop of S fifty six forwards. You can afford to give up a first round sure, like quote unquote sure thing blue chip prospects and grab folks who you know will be good for the locker room and who you suspect will be uh, effective long term, or that you can maintain long term. Folks like Eric and Vandy, uh, who are who could be very useful or very effective forwards for us as we go into a cup window. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, good drafting does so much mm-hmm. for an organization. Like, I'm not going to sit here and grandstand about our drafting being great because that just sounds cocky. <laughs> uh, and you can't really call a draft pick great until they, you know, have made have made the league and everything. But uh, right, we're, we're bullish. We're bullish on our guys that we've picked, and yeah. for good reason. But uh, I'll pick another example. So you look at somebody like Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows they've, you know, they've they've picked up guys like Nora's recreate and JSS's recreate, and well, that was trade actually, but <laughs> leaving leaving that aside, <laughs> um, over the years, Waters recreate is there now. So they they cycle the quote unquote Hamilton guys, um, which which is a thing around the league that happens. But they've had guys uh, like uh, JTAM, uh, who's Ricard Ham Hammerberg. I feel like that's the well, I think it's Hamburg. Um I should know that. I was his teammate. <laughs> um but he he was he was a late round pick and he came through for them and he's really valuable. 
Um, they also took uh, a player that's now actually on Seattle um, in, in, in that same draft, which was uh, uh, Chris Darzins. Um, and, you know, he's, he's earned his way. He's, he's been valuable enough to, uh, to both Hamilton, uh, New England, to be trade pieces and other deals. So he bounced around a little bit. Um, he's found a home with us. He's over 1,000 TP now. Uh, we're really happy with him. He's happy to have oh, a yeah. home. Um, but it's one of those things where if you're able to, it doesn't matter if you don't have a first, if you draft players later in the draft. And I, I've been really pleased with our drafting so far as a franchise. Um, obviously, we're hoping those guys continue, uh, but we, we yeah. have no reason to assume that they won't. <laughs> And to, uh, to kind of wrap that all the way around, you were saying uh, that kind of drafting or drafting guys that we're bullish on that we're able to keep engaged or that we know will stay engaged lets us make these kinds of moves. And I think ultimately you and I both agree on uh, at least one thing about the Gabe trade, which is players like Gabe become available uh, very infrequently. And when they do and you get the chance to take them, you need to pull the trigger if you can. And that's yeah, ultimately exactly. why we go on. That's ultimately the thought process. There is we have the assets to move because of our uh, because of our outlook. Uh, this like this, I wouldn't. It's hard to say generational because generations are almost like each season. But like this uh, standout talent within his season is available on the block. We have the assets to get them. We should do it, and we did. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's um, it, it it just frees up so many possibilities for you, and especially when you have a player of Gabe, uh, of Gabe's stature, of Reed's stature, that you know you 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 enter talks with them throughout the process, making sure that they you know they want to come to Seattle, and you then you find out that they really really do want to come to Seattle, right? And it just kind of reaffirms that we're doing the right things, <laughs> uh, we're we're getting attention for the positive way that we've been running the ship so far, even if it hasn't meant much in the standings. Pun intended. Um, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just ha- have to sneak a couple of uh, boat puns in there. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's great to, you know, g- get that feedback from targets that you're pursuing that, you know, right. This is a place that I could see myself sticking in and having mm-hmm. success in. And uh, we did also bring in uh, Glyke's player. That's uh, Sabotage. Yeah. Um, he's gonna be a, an anchor on our third pair. Um, so yeah, like we're, we we did make some moves. We gave up some picks to do so. Um, but they're, I, they're, we, they're we have no reason to regret it. Yeah, they're picks that we can afford to not make. Exactly. Blues's uh, next question. Uh, I have an answer to this one. Do you think you can make the playoffs by season sixty-two? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I if we if we if we, if we, if we, if we haven't made it by a sixty-two, I'm going to be really upset. It it would take an exodus of biblical proportions to uh, to make that. I think there's a pretty strong. I think we have a pretty strong mandate. Based on the ads that we made, especially now that we've made ads like Gabe and Reed who are helping out in the back room, uh, since we're getting ready to be more aggressive with our coaching in the regular season, I think it's very possible we can make the playoffs next season, or like season 58. I, I agree with that. I, I think um, 
the the sentiment around the league right now is that the Northwest is very much a toss up. Right. Uh, I think I I would see it as Calgary still being very much the the front runner to win the division. Um, they have a bunch of guys in regression. They're not necessarily any worse than they were last last year. Um, outside of losing a handful of TP per player, but they'll gain that back by the time playoffs roll around. Exactly. Um, however, regular season, they're maybe a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would they're they're still pretty firmly cemented as the top team in the division. Right. Edmonton managed to retain their core through the cap penalty, but their the fringe parts of their roster are going to suffer. They lost their goaltender and have a young starter this year. Um, the the core parts of their roster are still pretty good, so like mm-hmm. the, they're they're still going to be a tough out. Uh, Winnipeg obviously kind of shocked the world, making it as far as they did last season. Um, They're, the, the they, have, they have still... a few call-ups, so I w- it would stand to reason. I haven't actually looked at, into it that deeply, but it would stand to reason that their average TPE might be a little bit lower than it mm-hmm. was, um, especially losing Reed. However, mm-hmm. still very good, very good goaltender. That alone yeah. <laughs> can, very, uh, can do a lot of things for you. Uh, a team that I would definitely describe as top-heavy. A very good top pairing, very good top line, but even their second line and middle unit are comparable to Seattle's, probably. I think that's fair to say. I think the fairest way to say it is they're comparable to Seattle's. I think we have the edge on them on defense. They have the edge on us on forwards. I'd agree with that. And then then they have Strom in that, who... I mean, I I love Thor, but he's he's not Strom yet. (laughs) Yeah, he... (laughs) Strom has proven that Winnipeg can win any individual game in the season. Yes. Like it, it, on any best of one series, if you could put any team against Winnipeg and anything could happen. Yeah. And then I, I mean, uh, Minnesota still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd say probably a good bet to be the fifth team in the conference just because or in the in the division because we we did add some good players mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's uh, the way i see it is calgary's pro- probably going to finish first two three uh, sorry yeah the uh two through four spots that's going to be an all-out blood feud for the <laughs> entire season i'd say um right. which and, yeah I, when it gets to that point you're looking at it you're you're looking at coaching you're looking at you know specific matchups. When do we use our backup games? When when do we do this, that, the other? But then you're also kind of looking at like just straight up who's getting the bounces this season because yeah. it's entirely I, possible that that's that's what it comes down to. I think the 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 more optimistic take on what's happening in uh, in Minnesota this season is their previous core is all about to enter like the deepest part of regression. Uh, all of their core is between S45 and S47, uh, with the exception of their goal with uh, Cluster, their goalie, uh, and I believe Van Kogiem, question mark, something like that. Um, yeah, they're co- well, Cluster is their Kogiem. Right. So like their, their core is, their off- or their skater core is about to hit the hardest parts of regression but they have a huge crop of like S52 to S57 skaters that are about to hit the big time uh, 
Muted Faith is coming up in there. Uh, blues, not Blues Band, the other Blues. Uh, Rocco Bernie is up there. Uh, on defense, they've got guys like uh, Johnny Shuffleboard and uh, Spooks Player. They've got Captain Crazy is earning really well. Toast is earning really well. Like they they have a pretty good core, but it's extremely young. And while that may prove for some exciting games, it probably will not translate unless they coach extremely effectively. Probably won't translate to more on ice production than the middle three in that division. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's just uh, the way that their roster composition is shaken out. It's just kind of kind of an unfortunate in between stage where their their older players are just not quite young enough to mesh with the the up and comers. Um, right. So it's it it is not a seamless it transition. It's <laughs> yeah, not going to be a seamless it, transition, but there's a lot to be excited about in the next like two to three seasons for that Minnesota team. Yeah, exactly. Like Muted's a great person and player, so like. Just having him alone is a good start, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, to, to no. Like so at sixty-two, I I would say yes. I I I'm pretty firmly believe we can make right. the playoffs by s sixty-two. In in all honesty, s sixty-two based on our current roster and our current draft picks. Of course, this will change as people become available and trades happen, and you know the league evolves. S sixty-two, we're talking about it's what fifty-eight coming up. We're talking about more than a calendar year away, probably based on how long seasons have been recently. Yeah. Uh, a lot can change in a calendar year. But uh, I would almost hazard a guess to say S62 is probably where our window starts clo- starts closing in terms of not just playoff, but cup contention. Um, the, the first part of our window I'd agree with. Uh, the window that involves... Guys like Gabe and Trips. That's and yeah, that's what I'm Wazzy. saying. Like, like those 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 guys in five seasons are gonna be hurting in regression. Right. But at, that's also the point where our youngest core guys are going to be up there. Like our uh, our own players, mm-hmm. uh the, the other prospects we've drafted, um, they're they're all gonna be in the league and making their mark at that point. Right. S sixty two to sixty four, just based on like my napkin math is like the transition from the from the expansion draft core into the entry draft core yeah for sure i i, I would agree with that uh blues has another question most underrated player on the argonauts oh that's a good question so um, there yeah there are a lot of people i don't want to make any anyone feel left out everyone on the team's great I do have I have a few in mind who I would consider like underrated as far as the team, uh, but really, uh, but people that I really like. Uh, do you want to take it first, or do you want me to go first? Yeah, it's like like you said, it's it's hard to you know single someone out and not kind of give props to the, everyone else that's been contributing so far, right? Because when when we've won, we've gotten contributions from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, one obscure stat that I I can't remember it exactly off the top of my head, so I might be off by a goal or two, but I think Fred had something like, what was it, six or seven game winners? Something crazy, like he 
scored the game winner on over a quarter of our games. <laughs> uh, so uh, on a quarter of our wins, yeah, like of yeah. our wins, yeah. yeah, you know, of our games in which we had a game winning goal, yeah, like. So that's like that. That's pretty crazy. Like Fred, Fred is a great locker room guy. Um, we picked him up in expansion. Very happy to have him around. So just it's it's nice to see a guy who isn't the highest TPE out there. Uh, right. Find find a little niche and contribute because he he's been playing on a on a line that's been hard defensive starts lining up against the opposition's <laughs> best just because he's kind of got a build that allows for me to toss him out like that. Yeah, and with my sensor coming up, that's uh, that's going to get even more aggressive next season, probably. Yeah, so uh, I would say great, great job, Fred. Um, you 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 earned those game winners through your great attitude, I'd say. Uh, so the the people I was thinking who I definitely wanted to call out were uh, the folks who are, uh, I would say, not necessarily the uh, most boisterous in the locker room, but are dedicated to the team and uh, really locked in competitors who are also er- who also earn really well and that's folks like uh like Darzens, uh Chris Darzen, Stifler, uh KC15, uh Juosu, those folks who are really great contributors on ice who are who contribute to the team and are dedicated to to it and uh buy into kind of the vision and direction that we've had so far uh even if they're not necessarily the biggest locker room personalities because uh, those kinds of folks make or break a team, and I uh, really like them, and I appreciate what they're doing, uh, and believing in believing in the system. Got to trust the system. Mm-hmm. All let's, right, let's keep rolling. Uh, Gek has some questions. Uh, how do you come up with haiku so quick? Uh, uh, I'm. Gek asked me to write him a haiku um, yeah. recently, and I did it very, very quickly, mm-hmm. like within, within seconds, because I, that, that, I, don't, I don't think haikus are that hard to write, especially <laughs> if you're just kind of shitposting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you just kind of pick a general theme and just make the syllables work. Um, so I don't necessarily have a process, Gek, but... Um, <laughs> I also don't think it's particularly impressive, so maybe you just need to reevaluate uh, your stance on how difficult haikus <laughs> are to write. Yeah, I was going to say, like, my background is in writing. That's, that's like, the, the thing that I did to get my degree and stuff. Uh, and I will say, the best way to come up with haikus or with any kind of creative writing, the best way to come up with it so quickly is to not care about the quality of what you're producing. <laughs> if you just Perfect. you just just spit it out there, get something out, figure out what you liked about it, and use that to make your next one better instead of trying to focus on getting it perfect the first time, and then you'll come up with them real fast, and eventually they'll be good. They won't be at first, but eventually they will be. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, then he says, "The two of you, Aram, one v one, best of three. Who wins?" That. Uh, from I, from what from what I understand, that would be the most boring ARAM one v one series of all time. Because <laughs> I think we only know. I think neither of us play carries like at all. Um, I don't. To be clear, I play big stupid tanks. I I my play style is generally also like 
CC bot tanks. Yeah. Um, I can I can fuck around with a few ADCs though. Um, but uh, the thing about a three a one v one best of three in ARAM is that it's random, so oh, it's pretty Jesus. well depend on who got what champs. Because if I get like, dog shit too, uh, yeah, if I get like singed or something, I'm not going to be too happy with my life. <laughs> So the answer um, is impossible to know, and the world probably never will. Yes. Um, that, would, that would be a great podcast episode, though. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, we, we should just record uh, Seattle Game Night and <laughs> post it as a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, oh we got some questions from Reed. Uh, the first one we kind of answered. How does the acquisition of Reed Sutherland look up Seattle? Why does his acquisition doom the franchise for failure? Um, well, I would say it changes the outlook by dooming it to failure. Uh, we were we yeah. were fine before, Reed. Yep. Thanks. Everything um, was fine. We were already fourth in the, in the division. Now we're... <laughs> gonna be it again um yeah i mean as as we've said it's just it adds a player that's good now and is going to be great for a long time mm-hmm. so it's it, it it just works on so many levels he's he's close to being a legit number one center in the league he's already a super legit number two center right um which is perfect for what we need and you know, having Bo Kane already up there in the number one slot, mm-hmm. we're adding another guy who can hang close to that level, give us some depth scoring. Means we don't have, you know, one line doing all of our scoring, one line doing all of our checking, and one line that we wish didn't exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's good. You 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 push our window forward and also extend it at the same time, right? Which is very rare to get out of an acquisition. Yeah. Uh, the Reed's next question is one that I find very interesting. Uh, things are going to get spicy soon with a lot of bargain contracts running out in season 59. How do you see this affecting Seattle? I, I think hmm. we have actually already started seeing it affect Seattle in 58. Like, not to... I. I I won't get too deep into how the sausage is made in terms of like our back office during off season, but I will say a lot more players shook loose than you'd expect. And a lot more high TPE players shook loose than you'd expect. Uh, even if a lot of them went back to where they went back and re-signed somewhere and teams made space for them. Uh, there, there were a lot of options available in free agency and a lot of people to talk to, especially compared to, you know, the last, like, 10 seasons of SHL, where free agency is basically a myth unless you're leaving to play with your friends. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the other side of it, too, is that we, uh, some of the feedback we got from free agents that we did pursue, mm-hmm. uh, and we're not, we're not going to name names or anything, but, like, when we did talk to people, and they didn't decide to sign in Seattle. That's okay. Like we, all, you, all you can do is open a dialogue. But the feedback we got was, 
you know, this was a really intriguing offer. Like you guys are doing some good things. Um, it, maybe it's even a consideration in the future. Um, but like that lets us know that we're on the right track. We're not getting teams or we're not getting individuals just like stonewalling us saying, no, not interested. Uh, don't, don't want to be a part of you guys, of your team. Yeah. And um, actually the one thing that I think is most interesting is now that I look back, I don't think we lost any, any signings to an outside team as far as people we pursued. I think everyone we pursued re-signed with the team they were on previous, the previous season. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So, it's one of those things where you just you look at it and you go like, all, all you can do is kind of give your best pitch and mm-hmm. you know make an impact. But if 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 the feedback you're getting is that you know you're you're a team of interest to several different individuals, even if you're not the team that ends up winning. Mm-hmm. You know, it, make, it makes you feel good about the potential for more player movement around the league in the future. Right. So that's that's where I look at it and I'd say like, okay, so we've got, we're building something here. People are actually kind of noticing it, mm-hmm. uh, even though the standings haven't come around yet. They, like the right. standings results haven't come around yet. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that's, a, that's a really good sign for a newish team that's just kind of gaining a foothold, trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. It, and it, more player movement can probably only help us unless a bunch of players move to teams we're directly competing with. <laughs> right. <laughs> in, uh, in which in uh, which case I'm going to look like a fucking moron for saying this. I guess I guess the better way to put it is, uh, assuming that the sentiment about the about our direction stays the same around the league, then more free agents becoming available will be good for us. I think that's, yeah, the, that's exactly. the best way to put it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Reed also says, with more and more actives in the Seattle locker room, when are we winning that Challenge Cup you promised me? Uh, I will say, uh, the change between having between rostering eight IFAs and rostering three, four IFAs <laughs> is a big difference when, you're a, uh, when you don't have alumni. Huge difference. It adds up very, very quickly. Um, as for, as for when we're gonna win, um, I like this this year, baby. Let's do it. Like, yeah, easy. Uh, you know, the big Argonauts to the moon. Yeah, diamond hands, uh, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we just need Reed to recruit like a couple thousand players and uh, have them all hit like three hundred. Yeah, and... exactly. Just yeah, Goose's TP. Yeah, then yeah. we have a, uh, like a, what, like a 4,000 TPE center, and we'll win easy. Exactly. So, Probably so that's wouldn't be well received, though. <laughs> so that, that's the actual question, is when are you going to... It wasn't uh, when King did it. <laughs> yeah, a winner... That's the, the, the question back to read, is uh, when are you going to start recruiting the population of the Vatican to, uh, to SHL? Or, yeah, SHL, right? Not SHN. Uh... This would be an of, interesting group of this, people to add. This uh, podcast brought to you by SHN, the uh, Simulation Hockey Network, best place for your news and stuff about the league. I wrote some stuff over the uh, playoffs that I think were really good. Sounds like we have a couple big pieces coming whenever this fucking draft ends, which will probably be in uh, 
April. By by that time, all of these picks will be outdated, anyways. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like we have some uh, TPE roster stuff coming up next season too. Going to revive some old projects, so look forward to that. SHN Simulation Hockey Network. We don't have a motto. Uh, on to questions from from trips from HHH81. Uh, first off, what's your philosophy around captain's group in the locker room? When will Darrow get some assistant captains to round out the leadership team? Um, yeah, Darrow will be getting some ass captains this year. Yeah, uh, I think a big part of it was just the number of actives we had, right? We had strapped a lot of inactive players and a lot of entry draft players who were not on the roster and uh, as such ineligible for assistant captainship. Now we have more actives, we have more folks present in the locker room, and that starts to get to the point where it's valuable to start naming some assistant assistant captaincy to uh, kind of point the culture of the team going forward. That's that's kind of the way that I see a captain's group, at least in the context of the SHL, is you don't really have any on-ice authority because no, there's no communicating with referees and stuff. So who cares who's wearing a letter on the ice? But in the locker room, I kind of perceive assistant captaincy as, or captaincy and assistant captaincy as the team's way of saying, these are the people who we think represent our values and the culture we want to have. And that's when that combines with, uh, when, when the people that the team thinks should be leading it and the people that the uh, that management thinks should be leading it are the same people. That's a really good sign. So that's that's kind of the other thing that I that my philosophy around captainship is is it it's a kind of barometer of how the team is feeling the about the culture of the locker room. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think it's uh, it's it's your drivers. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're the guys who are. You know, driving activity, they're updating all the time. They're the ones that are just just constantly ready to help people, give advice, mm-hmm. chat. Like they're the they're the people that you want being the face of a locker room. So obviously, we have trips. He he was he was the, the big argonaut from day one. He was the mm-hmm. first pick in the expansion draft. Uh, so he he was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he was the captain. He's the, he's been the only letter we've had for two seasons. Um, but yeah, no, no, like it's, it, we've matured to a stage where having some as, assistant captains is going to be feasible. Everyone knows each other a little bit better. Uh, the culture starting to kind of gel a bit. We know who, you know, the, the, the real voices in the locker room are a bit more. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's time, it's time for some maze. Yeah. Uh, the next question: How huge is it going to be to have three active centermen? Oh, <laughs> going from one to three in one off season. Right. It's. Uh, I'm uh, very excited. Um, obviously, so... we've we've said a lot about Reed. Reed's pretty great. Um, and then obviously yourself coming up. I, uh, I think it'd be good. I think another big landmark there is this is the first season that every line will have two actives on it. 
because I believe last season our bottom line was Fred, uh, uh, Svensson, and Okoivu. Uh, Okoivu, it was our second line. Our defensive starts line was uh, Fred, Nertsen, and Okoivu for the last two years. Yeah, so we finally get two people on that bottom line. We finally we have we get to keep our two actives on the middle line. We get all actives on our top unit. Uh, having the three centers means that we have one position where we know we have an active on every line, which is good. But I think it's almost more important that we have at least two active locker room people on each line to, you know, talk to each other and communicate about the sim and go through the ups and downs together. I think that adds a lot of value, especially toward retention long-term. Not that I'm worried about anybody, like anybody uh, at the at this point going inactive, but keeping people engaged with the team and supporting the vision and seeing the growth together with somebody else, I think is something we've sorely needed and now we get it yeah definitely i mean like just like having having a line mate or having a partner mm-hmm. for for a defenseman i was like i was a def- defenseman for a long time obviously i mm-hmm. ha- i've had a lot of partners uh over my time in hamilton and then in seattle for a season and then going back to hamilton uh and it, it was always fun to just you know crack jokes you know i have a bad game blame it on the other guy right yeah. all in good fun of course most <laughs> of the time most of the time. Uh, yeah. When it when I was paired with Gabe for a little bit, then it was it it was heartfelt at that point. But right. um otherwise it was mostly just in good fun. But yeah, just just being able to, you know, josh around with people and uh, you know, just you know, you, you get three assists and the other guy scores a hat trick, you know, it's, it's, it was all you, right? And uh, you could you could just kinda have that interaction Versus, you know, oh, we won a game. Our inactive players scored four goals out of our five. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone comes away feeling a little bit weird about it. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's it's going to be good. It's like we're we're getting close to the point where we're going to have an active in every slot in the lineup, except right. maybe our backup goalie. But even then, we've got demo coming up from the minors in a couple years. Right. Uh, so we've at least got somebody doing some of the regular season starts. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it's 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 coming together, but the activity is going to be so nice, and just like, and my own player is a center as well, so like, it's it's a position that we've got locked in for mm-hmm. a long time, and it's yeah. such an important position too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good, it's very good, yeah, very happy. It's with it. A welcome change for sure. Um, any other moves to come this off season? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Also, I would like to know because I don't I don't know of any. Yeah. Uh, I, so if there, if there are some, please tell me. <laughs> I think pretty much everyone who's with the exception of a few folks who are kind of left out, uh a few uh fringe league uh folks or guys that just don't have a home who are uh kind of on the outside looking in, I don't think a lot of people are going to be moving at this point. I think we're pretty much locked into the start of the season rosters. For yeah, I, probably, I would say, oh, sorry, go probably ahead. at least like fourteen of eighteen teams have locked in their opening night roster at this point. I would, I would say at least that. I would say what might change 
that calculus a bit as if some team kind of has a change of course they realize maybe maybe they realize they're not quite as good as they expect it to be mm-hmm. maybe they start selling rentals a little bit early and that kind of fluffs up the market a little bit yeah uh, I, you know, a, a team wanting to get in on a rental earlier than later just so they have more time with the player um is is a consideration i, I could that see that hasn't coming happened. i could see that coming but i don't see it happening before the the first leg of the season uh, yeah, I see it coming exactly. maybe, maybe 10 to 15 games into the season, but I think off-season, uh, at least from my perspective as a GM going through it, I think at this point everyone just wants the season to start and is done tinkering with rosters, except for it would, it would take teams trying to lock in the last couple like IFAs. Right, yeah, it, it, it would take probably something weird happening, like a random... Yes cap fine or something putting a team in a bit of a hole that they needed to dig their way out of like and what i don't think is going to happen yeah it would uh, take like a cap fine like a random very bad suspension uh just or something like a, weird that alters the team's like, plans and that's yeah. probably not going to happen until into the season yeah. um that that some team would actually make drastic changes to their plans and start moving players around because of yep. it. So to uh, um, so answer... I don't... Yeah, no. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. To answer the question, nope. Not from us, at least. Uh, what's the piece of SHL merch that, when it's in the store, will make you say, we've gone too far? Well, Body we pillows. already have... We already have St. Louis Scarecrow comforters. So I think we're already there. Uh, well, you know, kindling's important. You, know, like, you need kindling for a good fire. Uh, Someone's getting the, really mad at me over that. Have you, have you seen the scarves? There are scarves now. They're not good here. See, I'm I'm still waiting on the day that uh, custom designs start getting approved by HO, which yeah. is coming at some point. Because a lot of the most of the the items on Redbubble are just the stock. We slapped your logo on something. Right. You don't get to pick where they go. They just go on a thing. Exactly, but the, the, the when when you're actually allowed to start playing around with the logos, do something creative with some of the designs, do some third logos, like or is it some like third jersey logos, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna start seeing some cool stuff. The second people that are talented and artsy get their hands on stuff, it's gonna go really, it's gonna get really fun. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if there's if there's a body pillow, uh, I'm going <laughs> to petition or to pull the entire thing. Uh, if if there's a body pillow, I'm just gonna yeah. drop all of the forum tables. It's gone too far. I'm just gonna shut it all down. <laughs> I'm just gonna PM Teddy and tell him to hit the kill switch on the site. Just <laughs> uh, you won't need to because I'll PM Teddy and tell him I'm pulling the ripcord. We're <laughs> shutting her down. As long as long as someone does it, um, <laughs> we're shutting her down. Uh, Donate. Yeah, send the uh, donation fund to charity. It's over. We're out. You know, it also be, it's not like body pillow bad, but I, I don't know why my brain just went there. But like, you know, those uh, shoes that have like the, the like they have the toes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the individual toes. They're like yes. basically sock shoes. Yes. Those with SHL logos on. I don't know why <laughs> I thought of that. That's really and, weird. Somebody's going to read into that somehow. And, and but... SHL logo on every toe. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last question from Trips: Should Darrow be in the mix for 
the Stevens and or Biscuit this season. Why or why not? If not him, who should be the finalists? So this was asked back on January 25th before the preview came out. We now know that uh, Trips is in for the the Biscuit, right? The Defensive Defenseman Award. That is correct. Um, As he should be. Yeah, I Um, I would agree with that. We would very much like to see Seattle win two Bojos in two years. Would be great. That Uh, would be pretty nice. Stevens, I think Darrow's close to the mix, but God, the the offensive defenseman this season put on a clinic, and it's really yep. hard to argue with. You know, your it, FR Finrist and your Augustus Wangs and your Parker Smebs. That's what it comes down to. Like, I, I, I he is a really strong case to win the Bojo. Correct. Just in terms of not only the counting stats that he put up in terms of shot mm-hmm. blocks, but like his, his shot block number was just ridiculous. Yeah. But you know how valuable defensively he was relative to the rest of our team. It's, yeah. it's, he, he has a similar case to my case last year when I won the Bojo. Right. Um, except his, he, he put up, counting numbers that are just far beyond mine. Um, and, yeah, and, and but... On a team that didn't also lost the guy who just won the award the previous season. Right. Leading and the league in shot blocks. Re- leading the league in shot blocks and in takeaways. Um, probably, yeah, in the, the top defenseman on the team in relative Corsi and relative Fenwick. It's and both of those with a near dead even PDO. It's the the production stats are there, the possession stats are there, the relative stats are there. It's it's a really really strong mandate for for the Bojo, and I think that deserves recognition in the Stevens discussion. But yes. like I said, it was this was a season that was absolutely defined by like. It, when you take back step back at the big picture, this is a season that was defined by offensive defensemen having like world break world breaker performances, game breaking performances. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I, that that's the hard part is you have to figure out how to value each of those. And I, I guess across an entire All Star committee, they decided that the offensive production should have a significant weight, and that's why Finris Wang and I was Parker Smith the other one. That sounds right off the top of my head. I guess I could double check. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's it, it, it's one of those things where like he contributed so much defensively. We didn't have the horses up front for him to actually put up points. Right. We so didn't. it's it's not to his fault that he's and, not going to win the Stevens. And it's for just, what you, I I I couldn't justify if I was doing my ballots. He he'd win the Bojo. He would not be on my Stevens finalists if I was doing a, a big and, ballot. He wouldn't be on my like if I was sorry if I was doing a big ballot. He'd be on the ballot, but not in the mm-hmm. finalists. Um, yeah, it's, uh, for the record, it's a uh, Finris Wang and Brendan Kennedy from Calgary. Ah, that's what it is. Yeah, uh, um, but, but yeah, Darrow and uh, Darrow and Swag both with three votes for. The, uh, for the Stevens, so in the yeah. top of the 
honorable mentions. Which 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 sounds about right to me. I just yeah. You, offense is still very very important, mm-hmm. and especially when you have you look at a guy like uh, FRFR um, who is also a Bojo finalist, but still also put what is it? I think it was sixty one points. Yes, something insane. Like so that that's what you're looking at, and you're going like that. Like it, it's kind of hard to weigh just the defensive side and I think Trip said 30 mm-hmm. points something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that said when I look at the uh, when I look at the other players who are uh, who are in this for the Bojo uh, I think it's pretty like when you just look at the stats that they're, pu- that they're uh, pulling out for defensive defensemen I think Darrow is head and shoulders away because they're pulling out like Shot blocks, which uh, the numbers there are 132, 191, and 312. Uh, takeaways, which the numbers are 36, 45, and 61. Uh, hits, which are 72, uh, 121, and 126. Uh, all three of those numbers being uh, led by Darrow. Like you, when you just look at that, it, it makes me think that Darrow is probably head and shoulders above the rest here. I, I'd agree with that. He's, he's, he's my Bojo winner for sure. I mean, we're biased, but... <laughs> yeah, of course. He, uh, he very much deserves it, in my opinion. Um, but again, I, 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 I also have the bias of being a former offensive defenseman who won Stevens <laughs> off a great offensive season. <laughs> so I, 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 I struggle to discount the offensive yeah. side. And, and you know maybe um, if, if maybe also, if for a player who also produces defense or produces good defensive results, it's yeah. Uh, and yeah. next season when we have a better supporting cast on, I shouldn't say better when we have more TPE in our supporting cast for forwards, and we have uh, even more TPE on his defensive pairing. Maybe that'll let him get the horses to put up those offensive production numbers and compete again. I definitely think if we keep coaching the way we do, he's got a good shot at the Stevens next year, not just the Bojo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the other side of it too is um, Gabe's a really, really good offensive defenseman. We have to figure out who's playing with who, um, yes. and a lot of that's going to be up to testing. But him, him and Gabe together, if if that's how it ends up working, like, between the two of them, they're going to create offense from the back end for sure, and. I, I I think that I think he's going to do just fine. I, yeah. <laughs> it'll yeah. it'll be good. I, I don't think you have to look at our roster for too long to figure out that we're going to be driving play from the defense next season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got some questions from Golden Apricot, Apricot, Apricot. However you want to pronounce it, I'm going to call it GA. Uh, why is cap space so valuable in this league, and how will you use this asset to secure your franchise? Well, um. Cap space equals players, right? Cap space equals TPE because our system pegs cap space and TPE together. We exactly. It's and I mean I understand why that why that is in place. It's because otherwise, like this is a game. It is there are lots of people who like hanging out with other people here. I understand the ever-present concern that one team might wind up having 
a bunch of high earners who all want to play together and they all sign for the minimum. And then all of a sudden you just have like three or four stack teams and some junkie teams. I get it. I get why it's pegged that way. But since it is pegged that way, you have to consider each dollar going out and its relative value in TPE coming back in. And then almost more importantly, the deployments of that TPE and its impact on a game. And that's why cap space is so important because you need more of that to optimize how much TPE you can get in and how you can apply it to your lineup and to your tactics to get the most TPE on the ice for the most amount of time. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, the minimum contracts really kind of force you to be good at planning ahead. Yes. Because absolutely. if you have, you, know, you have two good drafts in a row, say you have six players coming up and they're all about to hit areas between... A thousand and fourteen hundred. Mm-hmm. That's they're all getting big bumps depending on when they're they're actually hitting those numbers. They could be eligible for a contract that's a million dollars less or more. Um. So it's it, it you have to be very very careful because if you have a bunch of roster spots that you think are t- you know signed sealed and delivered, these are our guys forever and ever, and then they start gradually increasing in cost you're going to run into cap problems um especially if you misuse any additional cap space if you are fishing for a free agent he wants nine million dollars and he'd really help your team Mm -hmm. um and you give him three years times nine million say this is that hasn't happened because it's it's unlikely but You, you give a guy an extra $3 million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly by year two, all of your younger guys are pushing up and they're earning 4 or $5 million a year if, if they're taking the minimum. As, you're right. You're, assuming you're that very quickly. So that roster that worked cap-wise and you had you know, you know, 2 or $3 million a season to play with, um, tinker around, add some guys at the deadline, suddenly you have six players getting a million dollar increase on their contracts at once, at least. Right. Um, it, 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 cap space is just so valuable, especially if you have a lot of prospects too. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things you have to kind of ma- manage your prospect numbers. Right. We've seen SFB and Tampa in recent times just have so many prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, to the point even... where it's, it, it affects your ability to actually put players on the roster. Right. Well, and also the other way, which is you can only draft so many draft picks. Uh, you eventually run out of cap space because you are required to ice a roster. You can't just exactly. be a farm and then give up all of your games in the season. I mean, you can ice a roster so bad that you lose every game in the season. That's happened. But you have to put at least you know, at least 18 players on the ice every night. So you, there is a limit on how much you can, how many prospects you can take anyways. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, I like the contract changes. We're Mm -hmm. going to see their after effect kind of coming to light in the next two, three seasons. Um, obviously like we, we are now taking advantage of one of those like legacy contracts in Gabe. Uh, so, uh, we we paid our price it's, for that. 
I don't we, feel we bad do, about yeah, it. exactly. Uh, we we give up a pretty penny for Gabe, so it's it's not uh, um, as if we just walked out of a bank with fistfuls of money, right? With two but, million dollars in cap space. Yeah, so but like it's it, it's been fun. Even we we have some cap space in Seattle right now. For the first time in our our two seasons, we're actually like not right up against the cap, right? Um, but we were like as we were toying with you know some options in free agency and some options that we didn't really pursue via trade. We were looking at like you know what like if we acquire this guy, drop this guy, where's our money at? Mm-hmm. We can do this and this and this, where it leaves us with very little money. So like mm-hmm. y- 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 there's this cascade effect of just like you know you don't make one move. And suddenly the cap space can shoot up by a lot. Whereas if you make another move and you can drop an IFA, the cap space increases relatively little, mm-hmm. or the, the 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 amount of cap space that you lose is uh, relatively little anyway. Um, so it's it's a it's a good balancing game. You have to be careful with it. It's it's very valuable. Um, I I think what. GA is getting at is more like how, how do how can teams with cap space leverage it and I think it's just mm-hmm. we we saw Baltimore a couple times in the offseason yeah you know take picks to you know uh, um, to have teams unload guys that they could either use or discard yeah. um I and yeah they, so uh... I mean it's, that, that that that's the general structure of how it, how a team can do it I mean yeah I, I know some some people maybe question did they get enough out of it uh for their cap space but it, they they say they got more than nothing which is what that cap space was doing for them anyway yep. but that's so that's, I, that's how it's done basically i think i think criticism of how some team how much value some teams were able to extract for their cap space i think that is a fair criticism i do take some uh take some umbrage with the idea that they sh- that certain teams in the bottom shouldn't be taking cap space from certain teams higher up in the standings just because of which division they might be in. I think that's a take that got some airtime, and I think it's uh, asinine. Thank you the, for the, bringing this up, because I actually kind of want to go off on that. The, the, the worst... The <laughs> wor- bad teams need to get need to turn their cap space into value if they have it. The best teams to give them value for cap space are the best teams in the league. If they're concentrated in one place, that is not the uh, the team with cap space's problem, even a little bit. Yes. So I, I would I would like to do my little um, <laughs> tan- tangent here because this is something that I've seen all this like why stop trading with the Great Lakes teams? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a shitty argument, and you should feel bad. They not not the, you, Croc, but like the people who are making this argument. Yeah, I, because I agree. It, you you have a team, right? You have a team like Hamilton, say, and Hamilton gets mm-hmm. gets hit with this a lot. It's like, oh, why are they trading picks to Hamilton? Well, I, of course, we just traded two first round picks to Hamilton. Right. Um, so <laughs> uh, don't <laughs> don't judge me on that. But the, the, how it how it goes is not just you know they. Oh, this team traded two picks to Hamilton. It's, it's it's what did they get out of it? Right. Did Hamilton just bend them over and get something that just gooses Hamilton's window for an extra two seasons? Mm-hmm. Um, or did the, like did the, did a team extract fair value out of what they traded to Hamilton? That's the question. The reason that Hamilton has such an asset surplus over the last several years, 
and other teams like Buffalo has done, have done it for even longer is because teams keep making shitty trades with them. It's yes. not that they are trading with those teams. It is that they are giving them excess value in those trades. Mm-hmm. That is why a team like Hamilton or a team like Buffalo constantly has these additional first round picks that they can turn. If they don't want to use them, they flip them for a future first. They draft a guy in the third round, turns out well, team gives them a first rounder for him. Mm-hmm. Like th- th- that, that, that's how the asset machine works for those guys. Right. And is, if you as a team want to trade with them and you get a fair deal back, why wouldn't you? Right. You're getting your value. You don't really give a shit about them unless you're directly competing with them. Right. But even then, if the asset exchange is fair, no, like, you get what you want, they get what they want. You're you're happy with what you got, so it doesn't really matter, right? So it's a, the, the whole like stop trading picks to Hamilton or Buffalo thing is just mm-hmm. so overdone, and I'm so tired of it because it's yeah. such a bad it's, argument. the The whole I think the whole thing is the those Great Lakes teams have the largest asset surplus in the league. It's not even really close. That's they're on the top every season because they have a large asset surplus. Their window has been, uh, the windows for them have been nearly, if not more than ten seasons, ten seasons at this point because they have such a such an asset surplus that they're even if you think oh you shouldn't trade with them like they're still attractive trade partners because they have stuff you want. It's just a matter exactly. of the. It just happens that these people who have stuff you want are also people who are not so stupid that they will give you that stuff and not get enough value out of the deal, right? And it turns out that's also how you wind up having a lot of stuff by making deals that give you more value than you send out, right? So it's almost yeah, exactly. like it's almost like good trading and drafting got these teams asset surpluses that they turned into more asset surplus than uh, they're just good and you should stop trading them first rounders. Yeah, ex- exactly. The, the The issue is that it's just like they're good at trading. Yeah. Halsey and Finn are good GMs at trading, and, and, and good GMs in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just like it's it's not. If you go into the mindset that like trading with them means you have to like give up more than is than the assets worth, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, just tell don't do fuck, that. Tell just... them to fuck themselves if you have to. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've, if... I've told Halsey to fuck himself more than anyone. I'm sure. <laughs> and <laughs> but that's, it's, that's... it's it's one of those things. You you don't have to just give them what they want. You you don't have to you don't have to make trades that are bad for you. Nothing is exactly. Ob- there's no obligation to do that. And if someone else makes a trade that is bad for them, that is not your problem. Let that let someone else make the mistake. And maybe someday nobody will make the mistake. I mean, like it's 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 I I can understand, you know, a, a lopsided trade going in Hamilton's favor. If you're the other Great Lakes teams, like you're kind of like, oh shit, right? But at the end of the day, you know, if, like if if there's you shouldn't not pursue a trade with Hamilton or Buffalo or one of the other top teams because other people because the, you don't want Hamilton to get better or get something out of a deal you you right. purely have to do the in and out math mm-hmm. and say like am i giving up something that i'm okay with giving up am mm-hmm. i getting something back that helps me either on my roster or in the future with, as a pick or a prospect 
Good. Are the assets like? Do I think I win this trade? Good. Send it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the second you start reaching for a trade with those guys, they'll bend you over the fucking table. Yeah. And they should. And the as, same as, thing as, should go the other way. Should. I mean, like you want yeah. you want to like in general, you want to try and come to a deal with guys. But if you know someone like exposes their belly for you, like what do you? <laughs> right. Uh, we're gonna lightning round these other three questions from GA because we have another bunch from Reed and one more from GA, and we are already at an hour eighteen. So so much for this being a lean mean <laughs> sixty minute podcast. I don't know. I kind of I kind of want to answer. Does Gabe eat socks? Yeah. Well, we will. Does Gabe eat? Does Gabe eat socks? Uh, yeah. Okay. The, like, I... the big, the big, like really thick woolen gym socks. Okay. I believe you. I don't know enough about whether or not Gabe eats socks to answer that question. I, th- I think it's I, I think it's a Quebec thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next question is: Fuck the Great Lakes. Who cares? No, it's fine. Whatever. There's good teams there. It happens. Uh, the last one is shoes. Yes. Uh, Unequivocally, yes. I, I'm not a sneakerhead, but I like shoes. I own. Like, I'm on like eight or nine pairs of shoes right now, and like five shoes. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like lightweight. That's kind of my thing. I like my Asics. I like my own Atsuka Tigers. I have a I... pair of Vans around the house. I have a pair of uh, Sambas for when I'm lazy and I want to slip something on. Fair enough. I avoid wearing shoes as much as possible. Uh, I don't like, it's not that I don't like shoes, I don't like socks. Gotcha. I will if if I'm just going to the store, even like it can be like December, like middle of the winter. I mean, our our winters are pretty mild, so it's not that bad. Right. But it, it'll be like pissing rain outside. I will go to the store in flip flops. I don't <laughs> care because I don't want to put on socks. <laughs> I love socks. I'm wearing socks uh, and slippers right I now just, in the house. I don't know. I just just don't like them. All right. Uh, on to some questions from Reed. When are you actually recording right now? Any yeah, hot takes? It's uh, it's uh, 6.15 here and it's 8.15 because Grok's in the future in St. Louis. I am in the future uh, in St. Louis. So uh, we are coming at you f- through all the time strands, really. Uh, any hot takes for the upcoming season from the both of you? I have one, hmm, but I'll, I have a question. It, if you don't have one, I can go first, but I have yeah, one. Yeah, you, you go. I'll try and think of one. I think the Toronto North Stars will make the playoffs. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I they're they're looking better every season. They've been slowly improving. They're hitting their window. And I I mean I think it's possible for them to outcoach Chicago in the regular season if they really try. I I think this is like a wide open spot for teams to take advantage of that they just haven't been. I think you can outcoach the regular season just by making line changes every couple of days. Uh, I think teams are not looking at this closely enough. And I mean, that's fair because who wants to spend like, who wants to do a full-time job of coaching the regular season? But I think it's a blind spot that someone could take advantage of and put up crazy numbers. Uh, The other thing is, as much as I think they're a good team still, and as impressed as I've been with uh, with their asset management, I do think that there are some holes starting to open up for uh for the Stampede's roster a little bit, especially toward their bottom forward line. 
So I know that they have a, a couple of rookies coming in, or a couple of rookies who have come in. I know that they uh, they put in a bid for uh, an 800 TPE center. Uh, I think it was Newt Nertsen, actually. Which, that kind of thing makes me start to think maybe there are some cracks in Buffalo's uh, seemingly impenetrable armor where the Toronto North, North Stars could break in for a playoff spot. Uh, yeah, no, that's um, that's a good one. Of of the hot takes that I've seen floating around, that's one where I'd look at and go like, "Yep, I could see it." I don't know that it will happen. It it's it's one where you look at it and you say, "That's not going to happen." But if it did, it would be but crazy. It would be big. I'd feel really good for ML. Honestly, <laughs> he just earned it. Dude, just just give the guy a break. Fuck. <laughs> um, they're finally good for the first time in how long? I, and they're, I, and they're entirely so bad for them. They have the three best teams in the league in their division, <sighs> not even their conference. Their division. It's yeah, brutal. It's 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 pretty rough. Um, they would probably win the West too. That's the crazy part. Yeah, they would they'd be up there for sure. All right, hot takes. You got one? Hot take. <clears throat> I don't think it'll happen. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess it's not really a take then, is it? Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean you, you just fire it off. <sighs> Texas President's Trophy. That would be fucking crazy. I think it could happen. The that, West is that's, that would be a hot fucking take. Um, well, I think the West is way more open for that than the East. Like, I think it's pretty clear that Texas is going to be the best team in the in the West going into the season. Yeah, I, I don't think that anybody is uh, contending to to the contrary. It'd, like, it'd be hard just because, like, the thing with Hamilton is they didn't get that much worse at the end of the day. Um, like, if, if, if you look if at, at all, stand, like, just looking at the standings from last season, uh, Texas had this was one point behind Calgary and was one win behind Edmonton. Edmonton having three more loser points than the Renegades, right? Right. Edmonton took a big step back on their depth. Calgary is not going to get any better because of regression. Uh, LAP, I think, made some moves that might give them a couple more points, but I don't think that they're going to be... They might land in the 90 range if they really work hard. Uh, Winnipeg got a little bit better and a little bit worse. New Orleans is not going to contend. Minnesota's not going to contend. San Francisco's not going to contend. We might be up in that like 70-point range, 80-point range. Like When you look at all that and then consider Texas not only was 90 points, 44, 20, and 2 on the season, but got better and isn't regressing. Like, yeah, if they can trade wins with Hamilton, Chicago, and Buffalo in their uh in their cross-conference games, like Texas could put up 55 wins in this conference, in That's, this Western Conference. That'd be, that'd be a lot, but like it's it's one of those things where I'd, I'd be looking at it, you would require the Great Lakes teams to cannibalize each other a lot. That, which didn't happen quite enough 
this past season because Hamilton obviously just well strangled everyone. Hamilton and Chicago uh, actually went three and three in the regular season. Oh, fair enough. But I mean, I mean, in general, like Hamilton still won a lot of their in division and right. in conference games, which is right. why they're still even even though in theory their quality of competition was higher, mm-hmm. they were still able to uh, take take the president's trophy. Whereas if you know those if the Great Lakes tightens up a lot, mm-hmm. um, and Texas has a season where they just you know go hard at everybody in the West, take a lot of points in their few conference games or out of conf- out of conference games. Mm-hmm. There's an avenue for it. I wouldn't be expecting it, but I, I, if you told me to call something right now and potentially look like a genius in a couple months. I'll go with Texas yeah. President's trophy. Well, ultimately, what it comes to for me is like Texas, or the the way that the schedule is set up is each team only plays two two games per cross conference team, right? Two Baltimore, two Tampa Bay, two New England games for Texas, right? So Baltimore, Tampa Bay, New England, Atlanta. Atlanta got better, but I don't know if they got better enough for this. Uh, Toronto, maybe. Manhattan, like the bottom four teams, Texas has easy two O's, right? The the next two teams, Manhattan, Toronto, I lean Texas. I think they're probably ahead in those two. I'd agree. If, if they can go one and one on Hamilton, Chicago, Buffalo, right? Just trade those wins back and come out of all of their Eastern Conference games with three losses. I don't that, think that's yeah. I don't think that's insane. I think that's totally reasonable. If they do that and then go and then trade all their wins against Calgary and Edmonton, so three and three in each of those, and then just win everything else, very possible. Like I said, they're continuing to get better. Yep. That's that's a fifty-three and nine season. Oh, that'd that'd like, be something. There, there's an incredibly clear path for them to do that, but we'll see. Uh, Reed has a question for each of us. For me. Uh, I've done a lot of jobs, or you've done a lot of jobs on the site. J Commissioner, Dev Team, JGM, SHL, CoGM. Uh, which has been the most rewarding and why? So I'll say the one that I got the most value out of so far is just working with the SHL development team. Uh, so my day job is in that space, but it is not being a head down, fingers on keyboard developer. And uh, Doing some of that work in practice has been really valuable for me personally. That's actually one of the reasons why I stepped back from the J Commissioner job and actually even from my JGM job or my J CoGM job back in the day. There were a lot of things that went into those, but for each of those, part of the calculus was uh, it was eating into my work life and I needed to step back and focus on myself and my work. And actually in both cases, like, a month or two after I stepped back, I got promoted. So that was nice uh, to step away from the game and think I need to focus on work and focusing on work and getting rewarded for that. Uh, but that, so that's one thing for why the dev team kind of gives me more value is because I actually get to practice things that are relevant to my life outside of SHL there. Uh, as far as rewarding for the league, I feel like if I had been a longer term, J commissioner that probably would have been it i was not um 
I think the answer will wind up being dev team in a few months. Uh, stay tuned for that. I won't get into it too much, but in the next couple of months, I think we'll see a lot of things that will be very rewarding as far as like the dev team stuff. I'm looking forward to a lot of that stuff because yeah, I know you guys have been working really hard on it. Um, there's, there's some really cool things coming. Yeah, don't get discouraged by uh, a couple of the old hat voices that uh, like to yell at clouds, I'd say. Um, yeah, that's fine. When they want to come do this, uh, do this database work to get this index going, then I'll start listening to what they have to say. <laughs> that's, that's really what it comes down to. I know what kind of work goes into this, and they don't. And that's fine. If they, yeah. if somebody out there uh, doesn't understand the work I'm doing, then I don't really give a lot of value to their opinion, no matter how many podcasts they have about it. Indeed. And uh, for well, we might be coming up on the 200 hour mark ourselves. <laughs> We're going to wind up there in this video or in this podcast. <laughs> uh, for TIG, the biggest difference being a, an SHL GM versus a juniors GM, which do you like more or find more fulfilling? That is such a good question. And it's such a <laughs> difficult question. <laughs> biggest difference is the timeline that you're working on. Mm -hmm. um, in the J, it's a constant cycle. You, you draft a few guys, you develop them, you help them get acclimated to the site, they become your top weapons, then they're gone. And you do it all again. You try to manage your window. Um, depending on the moves you make, you know, you, you, you kind of have to pick and choose when to just go for it and when to reset. But it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's all in a very condensed timeline. So if you fuck up, you get another chance at it really quickly. Um, so it's, it's a, that, that, that's what makes it a really good training ground for GMs. Right. I learned a lot that way. It's just, you know, you, you make a mistake, like you don't have a good draft or you went all in on a team that gets bounced by a goalie. Um, actually, I don't consider that a mistake. I'm taking that back. Um, <laughs> this one's for you trips. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but you, you kind of learn the soft skills of GMing because, you know, you, you learn to welcome new people to the team, um, establish a rapport with your players, and then you have to do it all again. And then you have to do it all again. Whereas with the SHL, you, like, we, we drafted some less stellar inactive players in the expansion draft, and that's been half of our team for two seasons. Because mm -hmm. there there wasn't an avenue to improve on them without just wasting futures assets, right? And we kind of just kind of had we just kind of had to sit in that for two seasons, yeah. And in that sense, it was a really hard thing to get used to, yeah, because. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm pretty aggressive in terms of trying to compete. Um, I always was in Detroit. I would always try and you know keep a window open uh, as long as possible. Uh, I'd try and just turn anything we had into being competitive. Um, with you know 
maybe less success than was deserved. But um, that that's just kind of how I saw it. And it's it, it was never that I was, you know, compete at all costs. It was just like, I see an avenue here. I'm going to go for it. Right. And sometimes you gamble and win. Sometimes you gamble and lose. But the gamble and losing in the SHL really fucks you. Yeah. Um, uh, if you if you commit hard on something and it goes the other way, you are in trouble. And it's not that time. you can't get out of it, but it's 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 one of those things where it, it, you can die by a thousand cuts, but you can also die by two really big ones. Right. One bad move is not probably not going to. It depends on the move. I'm sure somebody might prove us wrong on that one day. <laughs> but, um, you know, one, one big move isn't going to completely sue our franchise. Two can. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I do think there's something to say about the impermanence of the, S- the SMJHL GM experience. It's like every move you make has an impact on your legacy, but it's even in one or two seasons, it doesn't have a big impact on as big of an impact on your franchise's success. Exactly. Like with within within like a two to three season window, you're gonna have the exact same opportunity again and you get to do a better job next time. But in the SHL, your time frame is so much larger that you 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 can't afford to make the same kind of risky decisions, or at least you have to be much more calculated about when it is appropriate to make a risky decision. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's, you can only, you never have perfect information. You never know exactly what's going to happen. All you can do is make a series of calculated risks and do as much as you can to reduce the risk factor. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you draft somebody you don't know for sure that it's going to work out. That's why you scout them. Mm-hmm. You get you get as good a picture as you possibly can. You're still, you know, risking it. Mm-hmm. There have been really good picks that seemed like they were going to be all in on the league for ten years, and then you just log in one day and you never see them again. Right. It it happens out of the blue. You never really know anyone's situation, and you never know if you trade someone. Maybe something IRL comes up for someone, and that trade just absolutely busts for you. Like those mm-hmm. are things you cannot control, and they 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 can have an effect. But like as long as you're making like I'm I'm all about process being more important than short term results. Right. Like if if you make a dumbass move but it works, that doesn't make it a good move. It makes it a very lucky move. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just, you have to be so conscious of the fact that, um, sorry, that a mistake can cost you very hard. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the J, it just essentially means, oh, we're not going to win a cup in this three year, four year cycle. Right. Um, which, which you can live with because it just means you can then prepare for the next one. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas in the SHL, you know, you have guys that are expecting to be around for a long time and be part of the core that you can't really just tell them like, oh yeah, sorry guys, we're gonna 
and try <laughs> setting this up again because they, they they're still around. They're not going to get called up to the Super SHL, right? Like they they don't have anywhere else to go. So it, it, it it's a really stark contrast, and it was the the thing I that that um that made me notice it the most was just kind of feeling a little bit helpless mm-hmm. when we were struggling at some parts last season, and I was looking at these inactive players on the roster, and I just felt really frustrated because I just wanted to do something. But it's it, you just kind of have to talk yourself into the fact mm-hmm. that sometimes the best move is not doing anything until a good opportunity comes up. Right. All right. Well, we're going to end on a uh, on kind of a league culture note. We got one more question from GA. Uh, it says, Opinions on the recent incidents in the league with the bullying accusations and the Anchorage GMs. Grok can probably give some insight here since he's been around for a month. Uh, I'm going to head this one off and say I'm probably not going to talk about the culture inside the Anchorage locker room too much out of uh, respect to the managers there uh, and to the fact that I was only there for a little bit. Uh, I I will talk about this question, though. Uh, Opinions on the decisions and how the league should go about this moving forward. Is Norris change enough? Should we have more or less things changed in this regard? I, I, I think there's a lot to unpack in this question, and I think we both might have slightly different takes on this. Uh, so, so uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll start. So I think one, one big thing for me in this league and anybody who knows me and has been around me knows this from me specifically, and this will be absolutely no surprise to anyone who's aware of my forum persona and my, uh, and my attitude in, uh, the locker rooms that I'm heavily involved in. I'm pretty starkly on the side of, hey, let's do things that are right by people and let's try and, you know, participate in the league in good faith and all. We don't have to be kumbaya, but let's at least try to be civil to each other. That's kind of my lane in in all of this. Uh, I've talked with Ragnar in in Anchorage uh, a little bit, kind of we've gone back and forth, and I think we're on the same page on this, where... I, you're, you, there are going to be times where you the best thing for you to do is going to be to disengage from someone. Uh, and doing that judiciously is a, a really, can be an effective strategy for not winding up in situations like this. At the same time, we could also end situations like this by not kind of chasing each other around with stuff, even if it seems relatively trivial because we all don't know what each other are going through or what bothers us, right? Maybe it's a relatively trivial thing, but, you know, if somebody says, hey, can you stop? Maybe we should all be a little more considerate of each other. You know, uh, it's it's kind of, it's hard to balance the two things, especially in this scenario where it started off uh, seemingly, uh, seemingly innocuous and blew up into something, uh, in, into a... Uh, Flanderization of itself on the forums uh, less than 24 hours later. Uh, so from the player perspective, my, positions, my position kind of comes down to take strategies to separate yourself from people who you don't really want to talk to because ultimately this is a game. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then why are, you, then why are we here, right? But 
at the same time, maybe we should all try and make this environment welcoming and friendly for each other. I think that's kind of where I come down on it. And I don't think uh, maybe it's a little bit too moderate of an opinion, some people would say, but that's that's kind of where I fall on the individual side of this. <laughs> Boo, centrist opinion. <laughs> uh, those aren't fun. Um, yeah, but, no, I, I, I agree with a lot of that for sure. The, I think, sorry, kind go of, Yeah, it's kind of, it's the individual side. This is not getting into like the SMJHL head office anchorage stuff. I'm not there yet. Uh, so yeah, just, a, um, just a heads up. Not going to touch on that one. Uh, I'll touch on the Ragnar one. Mm -hmm. um, because there are two different sides to it. The first one is mm -hmm. that uh, in the punishment itself, HO laid out a process. The process mm -hmm. itself, I'm fine with. The mm -hmm. process being, we got a complaint, we followed up with person, gave them warning, person didn't stop, punishment. Mm -hmm. Completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. the, over, the appeal overturned the punishment because that process wasn't properly followed. Mm -hmm. Fine with that. Big overreaction all the way around. Probably shouldn't have ever happened. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with, you know, if, if, if something makes someone uncomfortable, maybe everyone views it as a little bit of an overreaction. Fine. If they complain about it, stop doing it. But if HL also needs to give a proper warning. So Nor got right out in front of that. Love Nor. Mm -hmm. He takes the job very mm -hmm. seriously. Yes. He addressed the mistake. They're going to try and fix it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's probably my favorite iteration of HO since I've been on the site. I agree. Um, I, and and this, is, this is coming from somebody who thinks that Eggy <laughs> got a lot less credit than they deserved. Uh, for what they did for this site for as long as they did. Uh, I, I still agree, I think. At the end yeah, of the day. so it's, it's... It's one of those things where, like, until now, this, this iteration of HO has been getting praised constantly for handling stuff right. really transparently, handling stuff very appropriately. <laughs> they dropped the ball once. <laughs> they addressed it. I, I think we can get over this one, especially given the material involved. I, it, it's, and it's, I, I, this might be a controversial opinion, but especially consider, considering the material involved, and this is just talking about the, the initial piece before the punishment, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not talking about the punishment thread. I think overreacting and going back the other direction and trolling an entire thread and saying some really un, in, unsavory stuff to people who also might be going through some stuff uh, is as... is. In, in some ways more not okay than the original infraction, right? Uh, so I'm not I'm not about to go and defend what was happening in that thread. I think it turned into no, that thread an was a absolute a fucking disaster. But uh to to roll back, like if this it it got appealed, it went away. But even before the appeal, a one week forum ban, especially now that we have the banking system, is about a slap on the wrist as a slap on the wrist punishment gets. So from the beginning, I thought there was a lot of uh, intense reaction to uh, the to the punishment Ragnar received for it. Although it got appealed and turned into a warning, which I am also okay with. I think this was exactly the kind of scenario you want a slap on the wrist punishment for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's my gut reaction is when I saw it, I was like, 
this is stupid. I don't think this should be a complaint in the first place, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like at the, at the, at the end of the day, if something makes someone uncomfortable, it's not your mm-hmm. place to tell them that it didn't make them uncomfortable. I, I, so, I, I don't necessarily yeah. think that like outlining a specific process to lodging a harassment complaint to head office is necessary. I don't think it should be. Uh, that kind of thing worries me specifically because when you start to legislate the way that you handle kind of rare and emergent situations instead of allowing you know people with the authority who are trusted to make those decisions and to be effective Ooh, excuse me when you start to legislate their flexibility away you can sometimes wind up in situations where something really heinous is happening but it gets caught up in red tape and nobody does anything to fix it. Or it gets caught up in red tape and uh, the people who can fix it are held back by rules or process or something like that, right? That kind of worries me. And ultimately that comes back to a legitimacy question, right? A legitimacy question for head office, as, in my opinion, pretty much everything involving them on the site comes back to. If people, like believe head office is acting in the in the site's interest and believe that head o- and trust head office to do things if they give them the legitimacy of yes head office does the things and we think that they will make the right decision that gives them opportunities to not need uh these kinds of processes and i think that the current head office is moving in a direction where uh clarifying a little bit uh by saying, yeah, this is how we're going to handle things going forward. We're going to be clearer about it. We weren't as clear about it to the parties involved. I think that's a good thing, but kind of reading down the thing, I don't think that's necessarily a change. I don't think it should be perceived as a change. I think it should be perceived as head office learned a lesson from what happened here, and they're not changing necessarily the league, but within themselves how they approach these kinds of situation might change. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's just, uh, as you said, like over-legislating it, mm-hmm. it raises too many avenues that could just tie too many hands. And mm-hmm. it's just... I'd, I'd, overall, the fact that this whole thing blew up and what it did is right. insane to me. But it happened. It's the off season. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> Another I, one down. <laughs> the the one thing I will say, and I don't want to get too deep into this because this is an emergent situation. Uh, still, I, from my understanding, still hasn't been completely resolved. So I don't want to go too far into this either. Uh, as far as the manager punishments in the from the J head office, that the whole situation I have some concerns with. Uh, starting from not actually explaining what the rules violations were in the thread. Yes. Uh, it's, um... and, and going into uh, really framing the thread as an indictment of the entire organization because of what wound up being a slap on the wrist punishment that got turned into a warning later. I, I sincerely hope that the, that the J head office is 
con is taking careful consideration of the optics of what they're doing right now. And I think that's yeah, all I'm, that I'm really going to say about that. Despite not having any involvement with Anchorage, I'm quite closely tied to some people involved, so I'm not going to right. say much. Um, other than, yeah, I, I, I echo what you said mm -hmm. based on what I am aware of. <laughs> I think this head office has been, this J head office has been efficient at doing their job. I think they have kept the league running, which is uh, which should not be high praise for a J head office, but in some ways compared to at least ones in my memory, iterations in my memory, is high praise. Uh, the, but to their, with all those things to their credit, this is not a head office that has ever been particularly concerned with optics. And if they were going to consider what the things they're doing look like to the league around them, now would be a very good time to start doing that. Sounds about right to me. Uh, that's it for our questions. We didn't even go two hours this time. Look at that. Wow, look at, look at us go. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, SHN, uh, Simulation Hockey Network sponsors this podcast. Uh, like we said earlier, TPE roster analyses look like they're uh, coming back this season. We got a really big piece coming probably in the next month uh, involving, I think, almost two dozen people out of the Simulation Hockey Network. It has gotten that big, yes. Um, as always, watch our other uh, our other affiliate podcasts. Make sure to check out Hockey Talk Tonight. I think they went up yesterday. Uh, catch them live every Thursday at 7 Eastern? Question mark? Something like that. That sounds uh, right. 6 o'clock six Central, 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh... Any last that's, words? That's, four, that's uh, four Pacific for the, the best coasters. Yeah, I, I sure. I believe it. <laughs> All right. Any, uh, any last words? Uh, no, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the season. Um, we have a lot more to look forward to, I think, this season than we have in our first two seasons as a franchise. Um, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Certainly think this is going to be a more interesting season for the Western Conference than the last one. The league in general, too. I think, I think it's going to be... We, we could see some more shenanigans ensue than I think we have in recent seasons. And if you're on Team Chaos, that's all you're hoping for. I'm, I've never been off of Team Chaos. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next time. All right. Have a good, have a good night, people. Right, I'm not crazy about that. The only thing I changed was putting a comma in between That's... colon Craig colon join. Right? Of all, of all the changes to make to your bot, I just don't understand why that's the one. <laughs> hey, as long like, as there, there may very well be a good reason for it, but like I just I can't think of one. <laughs> as long as they can export to an Audacity project, I'll be fine. Yeah, exactly.